John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Would you look what the fucking cat dragged in today? Sunday, December 6th, 2020. It's episode 279 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And we are leading the show with Raymond Peter Longo today. I hesitate to say you're filling in for Ken Flo because you don't (laughs) fill in for anybody. You deserve top billing. I love regarded as the star of the show. Ken Flo's got a conflict. And here you are waking up for us early on a Sunday morning. Just a good fucking egg. One of the best things that state of New York's ever produced. Yeah, let me tell you something, John. Even God took a day off. You know what that day uh, was? And he took a day off. Even uh, he was, it was good enough for that's God. Right. That's day right. off. The cat dragged, and that's an understatement. <laughs> you said to me uh, in our little pre-show meeting there that maybe we should do this on Saturday night because these have been some pretty quick turns for me. I slept three hours. I had a little red wine and beer with Paul Felder last night. Uh, yeah, Bruce Buffett was involved good. as well. So I'm hurting for certain today. I mean, there's no sugarcoating that. And yesterday was a pretty tough day from a live production standpoint, obviously going from 11 to eight fights on show day. There's so many ramifications when that happens. So, uh, but nonetheless, another one's in the can, Ray. I mean, these, these UFC fights keep on coming. We're so conditioned now to week by week that I feel like as soon as there are a couple dark weeks here from December to January, when that show hits January 16th, we're going to be jonesing for UFC fights because it will have been three weeks. Yeah, no, I tell you what, like uh, a lot of people were waiting at seven o'clock, man. They had their they had their uh, game right. face on. Ready and I to was, go. What happened? Where's the fights? Uh, did they change the, the channel? You know, and uh, I was like, oh my god, eight o'clock. I gotta wait till now. This is right. hard. Right. But I tell you what, man, it opened up uh, opened up with a good buddy Gian Vellante, and I thought there were a couple of really really good fights last night from guys that I was not too familiar with, you know, that you don't see a lot, but I thought there were a couple of breakout performances last night. Yeah. We have a lot to get to stuff that really looked good, man. Yeah. A lot to get to with Ray and, and you will hear from Ken Flo later in the program. He will be on to make his UFC 256 picks, uh, opposite Ian Parker and, and Ken Flo's got some thoughts on, on Hermanson and Vittori and, uh, everything that transpired. I will also say too, before we get too deep into these fights, For me, these eight fight cards versus as many as 14, it really brings a lot of fun back into the live sporting event for me, because when I'm sitting down in that seat, as I've said here before, and I got 28 fighters over seven and a half hours, it's such a bear and it's such a marathon that it's hard to think about fun. But for me, an eight fight card is just so manageable. Uh, and it's just so much easier to manage your energy. And this is nothing I wouldn't say to my bosses, but I just think it's interesting for the listeners to hear just how different my night is when it's eight fights. Versus- yeah, and it's great. You know, it's funny, man. It's what we're accustomed to is like we want like 14 fights, but eight oh, fights, no. a lot of fights. No, I know. It is a lot. It fights, is a lot. A lot yeah. of fights. Yeah. That's a big fight card when you no, think about right. it. But we get so used to like the, those marathons of fights that it's crazy. But, uh, I think the only thing, Cody, I think brought up a good point, man. If they would have just 
started that at seven and ended at 12, I think it would have been better off. But, you know, they, I'm sure with all the programming stuff, television, you know, they know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. But, but that would have been the only difference is get it started early, ended early. I think people, um, especially on the East Coast, I yeah. think the problem is when you do, you know, that, that's, that's the problem, you know, but, uh, I mean, Cody Mara was born in the early 1990s, so he can stay up late. But Cody, for me, I'm I'm up 6 a.m. Eastern. I fall asleep at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Well, I'll tell you, the point that I was trying to make with that, Ray, is the fact that I think a ton of people missed out on an amazing main event. I mean, 25 minutes of just absolute right, barn right, burner right. action yeah, yeah. that some people probably went to bed for. Right. And you wake up the next morning, as I will do and my twin bro will do, try to maybe avoid the result. But when you get a 25 minute main event, you know, it's a little bit uh, tricky the next day. You're trying to get that in with the kids and everything else. But let us talk about this main event, Ray Longo, because statistically speaking, there were more significant strikes landed in this middleweight contest than any prior in UFC history. I thought it was an outstanding fight. I felt bad for some of the guys in the back who had finishes who were hoping to get that bonus money, just watching all that money go away. But uh, what did you make of the main event and Marvin Vittori's breakout performance? Yeah, look, uh, we know uh, Vittori could could punch. Uh, I think it was a it was a really good fight for him, and in, in the sense that I think he thought it was going to be a way easier fight, and it wasn't. So he's going to grow from that a lot. I think even you know mentality wise, I think he was maybe a little over cocky. Uh, and man, did Hermanson. Man, I give it up to him too, man, because he stayed in the pocket with that guy. He oh, ate yeah. his left hands. He had a survivor knockdown. So, man, that was a tough motherfucker, man, just Dude. written it out against all odds. And I thought he did a great job. So I thought, uh, you know, for Vittori, I thought he thought he was going to be an easy fight. And he had to dig down deep after he wasn't getting You know, when you knock a guy down, you think the fight's over and you got three or four more <laughs> rounds to go. That's that's tough, too, man. You know what I mean? So mentality wise, I think that was a really huge fight for Vittorian. That's going to pay dividends in the future coming up for him. And the and the other guy's just tough as nails. And I think he proved it. And uh, man, just it was a great fight, man. You didn't know what was going to happen in that fight. I did think it was interesting in round one uh, after the knockdown, Vittori, I thought and maybe this is just the fan in me that he absolutely should have retreated and tried to challenge slash welcome Hermanson back to his feet to see if he could survive. But that's not what happened. But I I, want to lean into what you said about Jack Hermanson, because this is an amazing effort in defeat. And it, this is the why and why this fight was so great because Jack knew he had to go for it to win the fight and was willing to get knocked the fuck out. And without a time, the, the losing fighter, isn't willing to get knocked out. And so maybe you don't get that great contest. You get a guy who's just willing to survive and go the distance and he loses 50 to 45. So I just have so much respect for Jack Hermanson. And uh, we talked a lot about Marvin Vittori's championship hunger and, and Hermanson and Vittori both. I just think they want it so badly. And the result was 25 minutes of greatness. And John, it was a, it was a battle of wills really, because uh, Trevor was right. There was a shift. And I think it was the third round when that guy was down too. He came out ready to get knocked out. It was either I knock you out, you knock me out. He came out swinging. He took that third round. And then the other guy had to dig down deep and come back out. And I think uh, Cordero did a great job in motivating him to go back 
and you know start being the aggressor again. And yeah. you, there was a shift for a little bit, and normally those shifts don't go back. You know, so right. I think that was where Vittori, I give him an A plus, is that he was able to come back after the third round after knocking the guy down the first, thinking the fight's yeah. over, winning the second round, thinking that this is going to be. It's only a matter of time till I catch him again. Man, her Manson comes out in the third round and he's swinging. I mean, yeah. he makes a commitment in his mind. Exactly. I'm going forward. That's biting down on your mouthpiece and yes. going forward. Like when you're in the third round, it's a three round fight and you're losing. That's what you have to do. Yes. Yeah. Right what Jack Manson did. He didn't give a shit. It was either he was going to try to knock the guy out. Or he was getting knocked out. He yeah. knew what he was behind. And if you look at that fight, I think it was phenomenal for a lot of mindset reasons. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there was a shift in tide, just a small shift, and normally that shift right. stays, and it didn't that time, and that's where you go back to Vittori and go, because that's a shitty position to be in, man. You knock a guy down, you basically think you're gonna win the fight in that instance, then the round's over, you come out, you try to do it again, he's having a great time, and then the third round, man, the guy takes the the round back from you, and he's not even really like a that he's not really known for his striking. And you're getting outstruck. That's mentally, I give him credit for sit, yes. sit, staying in there and then winning yeah. four or five. Man, it was a great fight for that. Man, I, and I, I do believe, I do believe Marvin Vittori needed to uh, manage his energy system yeah. uh, and take part of that third round off, for lack of a better way to put it. But you're right, Jack Hermanson just biting down on the gum shield and uh, willing to die in there. Cody, what do you have? So I thought a really impressive part was for 25 minutes, Jack went out there and he gave him the business. He tried to give his all. He tried to get the win. At the 25-01 mark, the dude couldn't use his right foot. I know. That's yeah. a great point. Literally couldn't fucking walk. Yeah, they, they were couldn't in, tell in, in yeah. at minute 24-58. Well, they were in, you could, first off, that right kick was vital to him. And he he wasn't using it. And I would I think that would have made a little difference in the fight. But you saw shades of him limping somewhere in there he covered it up pretty good but after he didn't throw that kick you knew he had a big, he had a problem with his with his right foot because he had success with it uh, previously and then he just right. that right. was it it was done which kind of stinks because uh in those mismatch leads that's a huge weapon right so there's no overstating how big this win is for Marvin Vittori four in a row and just how big a moment this could be for Italian MMA because there have been other fighters, Alessio DiCirico and other Italian fighters, Mauro Romero, Barella, but nobody has vaulted into the top five. And I don't know that any of them prior had a championship ceiling. And that's what I think Vittori has here. But wait, wait, As, what about the Italian stallion, Matt Serra? What are you doing? What are you Oh, you have to be actually from Italy, or can you be- did Matt Sarah walk out with an Italian flag? Was he born in uh Was he born in uh Mezzacarona? He's so, phrase. What do you What do you think about I Marvin Vittori? What's that? I just destroyed your train of thought. Oh, and I'm like half in the fucking bag anyway. Half the time I'm so saying, can we get him a drink? Can we bring him back? Can we revive him with another glass of wine? Well, uh, you know what. He's thinking yeah, about the fact. Well, listen, he's thinking about the fact that Italians will not claim gluten free pizza, Matt Sarah. Like, oh, that, like oh, gluten yeah. pizza, that, Matt Sarah. Yes. I'm with you. I'm right. with you on that. But right. yeah, John, a little of the hair of the dog that bit you. Start drinking. That's right. I may grab a beer here. It is very early in the morning. Uh, but as we spin it forward quickly, Ray, Marvin Vittori, what is his ceiling? And uh, 
What is your appetite for a fight between him and Paulo Costa? Well, I'll tell you what, and I, I give, first of all, I give him credit for even calling out Costa, even though, you know, he's coming off that disastrous loss, but that, that should be yeah. the type of fight that Costa loves. So yeah, I, let's do it. Well, and the thing is, right, is that it just speaks to that championship hunger. And I know I sound like a broken record on this, but it's so easy to quantify it with Marvin Vittori. He wants the belt. He doesn't care about anything else in life as much as he cares about that. And what's the best way to get it? You have to beat the guys ranked above you. And because he's not going to get the title fight anytime soon, seemingly because of the Wojovich, not Asanya business and everything else that's going on. Go beat Paolo Costa, make yourself the number one contender, and then maybe you sit around and wait for that championship opportunity. Uh, yeah. All right, we have the undefeated Jamal Hill with a big win over Ovin St. Pru in the co-main event. I'm all in on Jamal Hill. I'm really excited to see what he can do. And uh, jiu-jitsu was his first martial art, so we'll see what he can do on the ground if it eventually gets there. thought it was sort of a, a listless effort at times from Ovin St. Pru, who didn't seem to want to be there. Very strange weigh-in day for St. Pru to miss in his 40th professional fight to weigh in so early. And, yeah, he didn't look great, but I, Eric Turner, his head coach, told him to stop cutting, and he blindly follows anything ET tells him to do. And just stop cutting weight at that moment. So there's a St. Prue angle here, but Jamal Hill's the story, Ray. I really like this kid. Yeah. Three, three words for uh, OSP is uh, maybe more help wanted ads. I just start <laughs> looking at him right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because even after listening to Dana talk about the cuts they're making, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of guys worried after listening to that speech because you know, he stated he has an overinflated roster and, you know, anybody who's been around that's making money that hasn't been winning, I, I'm going to say is, is gone. But uh, I don't want to take that away from Jamal uh, talking right, about right. Hill, but great performance, man. L long, lanky, great, fast hands. Uh, man, if his jujitsu is on par with his standup, he, he's, I, I like what I'm looking at, man. I'd like to see him against uh, Reyes. How about that? I I'd think things are going to happen quickly for Jamal Hill. He's going to be ranked next week. And uh, yeah, he's calm and cool in the pocket. Yeah, but man. And good. just so poised and, OSP, and composed yeah. in combat, in fight week. There's just something special about him. And OSP, I thought that's the typical OSP we see. Kind of yeah, yeah. walks around and acts like he's uninterested. And then he could always catch you because he's, you know, right. he's a big guy and he's got power. But, uh, Look, man, he's had a he's, he's he's had a good run. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's had twenty three UFC fights, yeah, more than most. You know, so, one of the most prolific finishers yeah. in UFC light heavyweight history. But uh, yeah, yeah I no, thought, I think I thought it was more typical than it was untypical. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Listless, probably not the right word. Right, uh, he tries to lure lure you into that lazy thing, and the other yeah. guy wasn't having it, man. He was lighting up lighting them up with combos, and that was a good stoppage. You know, maybe because oh, I agree. Him, but you know, man, and then even when he stopped, you could see he didn't know where the hell he yeah. was. I thought that was a great stoppage because yeah. he didn't have to be all and, over and, as usual. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right. So speaking of referees and judges, I have a healthy respect for these people. I really do. I don't profess to be all knowing when it comes to the scoring and everything else. I do print and bring with me a copy of the scoring to every UFC show. And not that I could ever go look at something on broadcast. They'd have to do that in the truck, but I try to immerse myself in the language. I try to be as informed as possible. Roman Delize versus John Allen for me, 30, 27 rather clearly. And Chris Lee 
who has repeatedly been the dissenting opinion in these split decision results, had this fight John Allen 29-28. I don't know you if you feel as strongly as Paul and Dom and I do about this, um, but with respect to Chris Lee, what on God's green earth are you fucking watching? <laughs> where, where are we going with this again, though? Well, it's tell me. Thing. I mean, Ooh. like, because the thing is, we do have a lot of commissioners and referees and judges who listen to this podcast. And I have perpetual interactions with these people all the time. And I will have interactions with them after the fact here. I need clarity from Chris Lee. I need a verbal defense from him for that scorecard or I can't move on with my life. Yeah. Right. And I need it too. I mean, you, know, you don't need it from me. I've, I've been, I've been an advocate for this for, for five years. I got, I've gotten nowhere and you know, you know, the definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing and expecting different results. We're doing the same shit. Yeah. Hey, Chris Lee, if they're not going to let us talk to him, I, look, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows what? I mean, we have to see what the guy's thinking. That's the first thing. Is and, this just uh, you being like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You just kind of waffle it in. Uh, you know? Let me tell you something. You, you know, there's judges out there that don't even deserve to be. Yeah. walking around, nonetheless judging a fight. You know what I mean? So I, we could we could do a whole hour on this and literally, uh, you know, document things that are just unheard of. You know what I mean? And there's, oh man, I don't know. Do we want right, to get a better subject? Now, no, I don't know. We just, but I gotta, we got to we got to start hearing from these guys. Obviously, there's a problem somewhere. Right. Uh, he, I think he judges. My my take is he judges as a fan. You know, he judged that fight as a fan, just as he judged Felder's fight as a fan. And uh, he judged who he wanted to win. <laughs> yeah. I, I have yeah. nothing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Right. I have no idea. Right. Referees, judges, I mean. They, it, I'm pretty listen. confident it was not because he had a big side wager on John Allen. I just feel like there's not a healthy enough respect for the grappling game. And I think his argument to you would be that he didn't see what Delidze was doing as effective grappling so he looked right. at it as a more effective striking round uh and somehow some way when a guy that was guy that was getting cocky and he he was getting hit i mean you know he was that was a you know that was a weird fight but obviously the guy won the fight easily yeah. but one guy i will talk to about this the next time i see him judges and referees what do they have to do to get fired that's what i want to know it's the only job right. in america where i i think you could kill somebody and you're still going to hold your job. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what what else to say. I've been literally saying this for years. What else do you send the guy back to the minor leagues? Let him judge some amateur fights. I don't know. I don't. I mean, if you were asking me, you put me in charge. I'll correct all of those problems. Oh, I know you will. I know you will. You know I try to mean? stay in my lane when it comes to these things. But one person I will talk to about this particular scorecard is Mark Ratner because he is a dear friend of mine, the newly what? minted UFC Hall of Famer, and. Uh, I'm sure he and I will be aligned on the scorecard, but right. But what is the resolution? Yeah, right. right. That's the problem. We, we don't care about it. We're all aligned on the scorecard. What's the resolution? Exactly. Because livelihoods are being affected. And if Chris Lee is the dissenting judge on the opposite side of, you know, nine of 11 of the last split decisions or whatever the hell the numbers are like that needs to be looked into. You know what else needs to be looked into? Uh, Jordan Levitt's. I should say Matt Wyman's well-being on a Sunday morning, but Jordan Levitt's slam of uh, of the classy veteran Matt Wyman. I mean, holy shit, Raymond. 
talk to me. I tell you, what a beautiful adjustment when he took that hand and put it against his throat and just slammed him. Wow. And what a man, that guy seems like a man, he seems like a, a crazy character, no? They oh, just yeah. I just Where do they find these guys, huh? Yeah, I don't know where this ah. guy this guy was that that was a great interview. I thought that was uh I don't know what I was feeling from him, but he seemed like a super nice guy. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know if he it's is. just facial expressions or he is or a well-read thoughtful guy yeah, he's got yeah, his no. kid on yeah, the yeah. way and uh, he doesn't belong in mma that that part of it the, the slam 100 percent, but the after thing he seems like he's uh very cerebral or uh, definitely seems like a compassionate guy for sure I, 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 I enjoyed his interview a little quirky for sure yeah, uh, yeah, so those were some anxious moments there with Matt Wyman's wife in the corner watching her husband not come to for several minutes, you know. I mean, did you see him go cross-eyed like right away, bro? Yeah, that was that that's you know, I don't know if it was my t- yeah, whatever. It was it was that was big. You know, I'll tell you a funny story Please. about the wives. Uh way back when, like I remember I don't know where which fight it was with Sarah, but he tells a story that after GSP fought uh, Jay Haran, I believe it was, and that was early on in the UFC, and I guess Jay had his wife or his girlfriend there, and she was just crying, and Matt saw that. He goes, man, I'm not having Ann come to the fights. Like He just didn't want to put her through that in case something bad happened to him, but that was the example last night was Matt Wyman and your wife stand, you know, sitting there, and that's a that's a horrible thing when you love somebody and you're watching them unconscious and you don't know what the what the outcome is going to be we kind of all know it's the guy should be all right Martin, right. you know well, no long-term value in that though that's for sure but man yeah. was she stoic over there yeah, yeah she no, taken out at all so oh on. yeah i didn't see i just know he went over and you know talked to her i think the whatever is uh what's his name uh jordan levitt yeah right so when Gabriel Mowgli Benitez landed that body shot on Justin James, part of my inner monologue, and I've said this on broadcast before, is like, what would a body shot like that do to someone like me? You know, and I do planks and I do fucking sit ups all the time. Right. Yeah, but I feel good. pretty convicted in saying that not only could I not take a body shot like that, but that would put me out for months, probably. I mean, Perfectly timed and placed, and uh, Mowgli's a real good dude, and and I was happy to see him get the 50k, even though there was a lot of competition for the bonuses. What'd you make of that? Man, beautiful. I mean, that was a uh, you know they say even when you knock a guy out, you want that car crash. That guy stepped in and he met that knee to the ribs or the liver wherever it landed. Just a bad shot, yeah. bad shot. You know you got to watch out too when you break some of those high ribs, you could puncture a lung. That's where the problem comes in. So it's not just a broken rib. There's I know there's been a, uh, I mean, I was told that a while ago, that a lot of deaths in Thai boxing, because right. that upper rib is by by the heart or the lungs, and that's oh, where you, you have a problem. You know, it's not even the lower ribs suck, but those upper ribs is, there's a potential problem for death up there. So, there's no um, doubt it. Felder um, had a scary experience okay. with that. Yeah, no, that, and, uh, that was a beautifully timed, perfect knee, car crash mentality. Uh, oof. When you go down like that, man, that that pain is that that looked like a car crash. My my late father-in-law uh, actually passed away. You know, it was the the rib 
uh, you know, he suffered a fall and rib snaps, punctures the lung, and that's it. You know, so yeah, that that did happen. Yeah, I'm telling you that that's the, those upper ribs are the problem. So uh, always nice to see that Ray Longo name pop up in my cell phone on fight night. I like the Cody Mero text as well, but who do you think Ray texted me about this weekend? Ilya Topuria, 23 years of age, born in the same year I graduated high school, 1997. Wow. Undefeated. And I know you have a lot to say about Ilya Topuria, but I just want to lead with this. So in our fighter meeting, he, he just seemed stressed. He had a very arduous training camp in the United States, and he can't wait to get home. And he said, I want to go home, take the, some time off, and see if the hunger will return. So you may have noticed in our post-fight interview, I asked him about that because it was like, bro, like you're 23. And clearly this win brought any needed hunger back. But this is going to be an elite featherweight in my mind. I'm excited to see what he can do uh, in this division. What'd you make of Ilya Topuri? I certainly liked it enough to send me a text message there after he lawn shared Damon Jackson. Yeah, let me tell you something. Awesome, awesome hands on this kid, man. Wow, he sits in the pocket beautifully. Those combos were very well placed, very well timed. I thought he was, I thought that was picture perfect, man. I'm going to rip that fight apart with a couple of guys at the gym that have like similar styles because I said, wow, this is, this kid, man, he was throwing and he was like, again, sitting in the pocket beautifully, head just off the line. Uh, Man, laser focus. I thought I thought it was a great performance for a young kid who's undefeated yeah. at yeah. 23. What a I, stud. I, I, like, I like what I'm seeing with that. All right, before I let you go, it's a Sunday. I know a lot of people go to church or some religious um, obligation, for lack of a better word. For me and Cody and many others, right? There's, I mean, our Sundays are entirely devoted to the NFL. I know you don't like this. Yeah. topic of conversation. So like, what does your Sunday hold since for some reason the NFL is, is not a part of it? Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to head over to the uh, gym, do a couple of privates and I'm going to get a, a lift in with a couple of the guys from the you. gym. Get you, yeah. man. That's it. Right, man. Well, that's why you look so good. I sit on the couch and watch TV. So here I am, by the way, in Las Vegas, the stretch that we were supposed to be together for. And uh, I'm yeah. here for another eight nights, my man. I mean, that's another that that man, my two weeks were thrown, thrown in turmoil, man. Yeah. I, I really planned on being there for uh, Marab and Aljo. And I know I, I talk about it up in the air. I just talked to Aljo. I think it was yesterday. He just yeah. I, you hear anything, nothing. Um, so I don't know, man. I was so psyched for Marab and Aljo. So I'm just chilling. You know, that's right. about it. But uh, well, hopefully uh, February or March gets done for Aljo. Still don't have any word on what's going on with Piotr Jan unless I missed a headline out there. But uh, hopefully it all works out. But, you know, Marab is going to make a run and be a busy bantamweight. I think the issue he's going to have is uh, finding a whole bunch of guys that are willing to fight him, because I do believe he. With respect to Aljo is is one of the 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 worst matchups for many many guys out there you just don't want the cardio guy you don't want the takedown guy you know marab's one of the most offensive fighters in yeah, the and you, either, you either have to kill him or he keeps going yeah, you know what i mean that, that's basically the bottom line even i yeah. to him the other day go marab your name's still up as if you're fighting he go i'm i'm ready right, I, right. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, no, they waited late in you the know. game to let yeah, us know that, that fight was off 
if that I, he he stopped training for like two days, which is unusual. Like right. I mean, like the last two days, that's it. But I had that conversation with him maybe three or four days ago. Yeah, and I they could have called him like Thursday night. <laughs> I think he would have he might have jogged to Vegas. Right to make right? it. No, I think he could, he would have rode his bicycle to Vegas yeah. and taken the fight. But you know, I'm I'm ready. I, yeah. He don't even care. Like I don't. Not that he doesn't care, but. He's just got a matter of fact, like, just, I want to fight. Like, that's it. You know, it's not, uh, it's nothing more than that. All right, man. Well, uh, get, get a good stretch in, enjoy those privates. So if I want a private with Ray Longo, perhaps I would get some VIP treatment. Oh, no. Let's pretend I'm just some fucking schmuck in Seaford, New York. And I want to come get a private with Ray Longo. How do I go about doing that? I don't know. If you're just some schmuck in Seaford, <laughs> you don't even get a call. Yeah, you can't <laughs> <even> call. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're a schmuck in Wantor, that's a different story. All right. So <laughs> you're right. So if I'm a schmuck from that town, how do I get a private with Ray Longo? Do I go to a website? Do I call the gym? I'm being serious. I mean, I don't need to know what it would cost that's me. Still, that's still going to be hard. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, enjoy those privates, those very exclusive VIP private training sessions. And, and we'll talk to you next Sunday, my man. Hey, appreciate you stepping up and giving me the extra time uh, at the top of the show. Man, John. This is such a pleasure to start <laughs> off my Sunday morning like this. is unbelievable. Anyway, guys, have a great time. Enjoy your NFL. Why the fuck you still watching that? I have no idea. <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy it, though. Hey, Ray, it's just cool. so you know how much I love you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven favorites in my cellular telephone. Wow, For some reason, cool. Cody's not in there yet, even though I communicate with him more than most in my life. But I have seven favorites in my fucking cellular telephone. You know who's in there? Raymond Peter Longo. Ken Flo's not in there. <laughs> hey, tell Ken Flo I say wherever he is. Yeah, and whatever he, he's won't, he literally won't let us disclose it. So I'm not oh. even joking. So oh yeah, he won't let us disclose his location. That's, so that's, that's like, business. It's e it's easier to get a private with me than to find where Ken Flo is. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Like, where's Waldo? Where's Ken Flo? Hopefully, that's he doesn't cool. watch the show back and come fucking choke me <laughs> unconscious. Hey, uh, have a great private, okay? All right, guys, take Thanks, it easy. Ray. Uh, take care, bye. All right, speaking of privates, today's Ray Longo Minute has been brought to you by Manscaped. I love this company. They're on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And the mission has now gone international. Manscaped has now released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia as well. And as many of you know, this company has literally changed the way I go about my personal hygiene. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I'm not using the same trimmer on my face and my head as I use down there because I got this lawnmower 3.0 ceramic blade on this thing. No nicks and cuts. Waterproof technology. Take it in the shower. And it's not just the lawnmower 3.0. They got the weed whacker for your ears and your nose, the crop care kit, the ball wipes, foot deodorant, body wash. It's all in these bundles. The formulations are all clean, vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free. So you know you are in good hands. And if by chance you're not there yet with Manscaped, now is the time to get in on the craze. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash AF. Manscaped.com slash AF. No promo code required. Just go to manscaped.com slash AF. For 20% off and free shipping, manscaped.com slash AF. All right, let's track down the flow. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
Yes, he can flow finish his fights. He ain't he ain't out here trying to have Chris Lee like ruin his livelihood. You know, he's trying to finish those fights. Today's main event challenge is brought to you by DraftKings. The holidays this year sure to pack a punch and sold this weekend's UFC 256 card live on pay-per-view. And as some of the sports most respected fighters step into limelight this weekend, I would encourage you to check out DraftKings, an official partner of the UFC. You know me and Ian Parker are all in on this. And for this weekend's card, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you have not tried it yet, you're probably in the minority. But Fantasy MMA, it's wicked easy to play. You pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Of course, quick finishes going to help you tremendously, so keep that in mind as well. But there is no better way to put your MMA knowledge, and I know a lot of you have it, to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars all week long. And beyond MMA, of course, DraftKings with plenty of fantasy contests for all of these sports that have returned to action as well. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code AFPOD to get a shot of millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code AFPOD to get a shot of millions of dollars in prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. So Ken Flo had a conflict, of course, off the top of the show. So we had a call on Longo, but Ken Flo is here. We have the dude for 30 minutes. My man, the duck is here as well. You can find him at Ian Parker MMA. You can find his tweets during UFC fight nights on ESPN Plus as well. Uh, but Ken Flo, it's great to see you. And I have to begin with Jordan Levitt because you posted over the weekend. I am intrigued by Jordan Levitt. I'm going to tell you with respect to you and team hall and Ryan, I might be more intrigued by this guy than Ryan Hall. And I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, but if you missed his slam of Matt Wyman last night, I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I don't know if it was on sports center because of the violent nature of it, but, uh, he, he framed him up beautifully, which you don't always see and knocked him out cold cross-eyed immediately that says nothing of his jujitsu acumen. What makes you so intrigued? You know, um, I, I love the fact that he is, uh, very unique, very authentic. Uh, he's just being himself out there. Uh, and he went out there and again, he's not, he's not a guy who's going to intimidate you. He's a little odd, right? Does things his way and then yeah. goes out there and does one of the most brutal knockouts we've ever seen. And I ever. thought it was just it was really smart the way he did it. I mean, as brutal as it was, right, it was a violent slam. But the fact that he kind of picked him up, knew exactly where he was going, walked toward the, you know, walked toward the uh, edge of the mat, uh, you know, put his forearm on the front of that neck. So there was no bouncing. There was no, I mean, it was just all of his weight on top of it. And right. the whipping action of that slam was just brutal. Matt Wyman's been around the game for a long time. Yeah. And Jordan Levitt just kind of, Took care of business really, really quickly, man. That's a guy to watch. Hey, Ian, it was interesting to see the dynamic with Matt Wyman's wife in his corner. And she seemed to handle this, frankly, much better than I did. You know, I'm sitting there scared for the man's life. And no, I mean, he was moving pretty quickly. But when guys don't come to right away, uh, those are some of the scariest moments for us. And thankfully, uh, you know, by the time we came back from commercial break, we could update the audience in a good way. Glass half full. Maybe she was like, hey, he got knocked out quicker, sooner than later and didn't want to take a beating. I don't know. Yeah. Listen, when you when you have family around as a fighter, as a coach, anything, it's always hard. I listen, the fact that Levitt went over to her and they kind of embraced that moment. And I'm, I'm hoping Matt Wyman, you know, takes a takes a real good look at his uh, MMA career, maybe decides, hey, yeah. look, if I'm being slammed by a guy, I'm not supposed to be getting slammed by. Maybe it's time to switch spots with Kenny. Come on the show. Let Kenny hop back in the cage and uh, let's fucking go, Kenny. Where, where we did not offer go? Matt Wyman, Ken Flo. Nah, <laughs> no, I'm just, hey. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
We were looking to upgrade the looks on the show, but we're not trying to get you back, you know, that way. I'm just saying, yes. Kenny coming out of retirement, I heard Jake Paul needs a dance partner. I'm voting for Kenny Florian. Let's go, <laughs> Kenny Florian. Thank you. Um, you know, the, the fact that he calls himself the Monkey King, too, is really interesting. It's kind of a um, it's a reference to like a 16th century Chinese novel, Sun Wukong, where basically he was recognized as one of the best or recognized as the best fighter ever. He had the right. ability to transform into anything and everything. So I I like that he's just very nerdy and, you know, really believes it, you know, in that whole thing. And I don't know, man, he, he really is very intriguing. I wonder if the guy who gave him the nickname knew all of that, because basically he. he oh, that was his nickname. Win. No he way. He read that novel. Yeah, no, he, he had a he quick the, win. He watched the Jungle Book and Kenny's just really smart. <laughs> yeah, that's all that was. Mowgli was on this card as well. All right. Yeah. In the nature of time. So, Ian, you switched your pick from Jack from Marvin Vittori to Jack Hermanson, largely because Jack was the underdog and you saw a little bit of value there. And again, you're playing with a lead, but let's talk about this fight a little bit. Cause Ken Flo, we had such an intriguing fighter meeting with Jack or man, uh, with Marvin Vittori, excuse me, a little underslept here, a little hungover, not gonna lie to you. <laughs> but I said to Marvin, I'm like, you know, you're the betting favorite. And I mean, that is a, a measure of respect, even though it's not coming from maybe people that, you know, but there's a lot of respect in that. And he's like, of course I'm the favorite, you know, as humbly as Marvin could say that, this is a hell of a middleweight. I think he just needed a chance to prove himself on a big stage. And at least statistically, that was uh, the busiest middleweight fight in UFC history. I mean, I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, to be able to take advantage of something like that in a main event spot uh, against a tough dude and Jack Hermanson, uh, I thought really positioned him extremely well. Um, I think I misunderstood. Uh, you know, I really uh, misinterpreted uh Vittori and kind of um, how he fights and what he's been doing lately. I, I think he's a guy that is getting better. Um, I, I think he really performed extremely well. That left hand was firing all night. My yeah. goodness, just brutal shots. Uh, Hermanson is tough as hell. Um, but Vittori just looked on, man. I mean, there was nothing really where I thought he was going to be in trouble. He, he didn't get overly emotional. I thought he managed that well. I was a little concerned with his pacing in the first round. But, man, the kind of shape that he has to be in to, oh, yeah. to keep that pace and, and eat those shots that he did against Hermanson as well, uh, I thought was just amazing. And uh, it was just a, an unbelievable performance from Vittori. Ian, I have so much respect for Jack Hermanson in defeat. Marvin Vittori is not the first fighter who has to take a round off, so to speak, to win a five-round fight. Uh, what would you make of the main event over the weekend? Yeah, look, uh, Vittori, we get a lot of vibes from certain fighters when they are up and coming. We just say they're built different, you know, and we've been saying this about Vittori for a while. Now, going from Roberson to Hermanson and then Jack being the underdog, I did see value there. But my breakdown really was spot on with how Vittori was going to win this fight before I switched. I think Marvin Vittori is just different, I think. And I said to you off camera, with COVID, it's either going to make stars or break guys from the top that are taking fights because of, you know, they want to fight. Jack had three different opponents and out of the three this one had the least amount of name and hype behind him and marvin took advantage now we're going to see him highly ranked i think vittori's got a lot of momentum going i think he's going to be someone he's going to be a problem i thought it was a little weird in the third round i saw his energy dip but like you said i guess he just felt like he was up 2-0 that corner work on his side was phenomenal they let yeah. him know it like like you're up 2-0 third round you lost it good you got your energy get back out there javier cordero was perfect with that oh and, yeah um I mean, and Trevor Whitman was spot on calling out that corner work. And literally, Vittori comes out and does exactly what his coach says. Unlike some other guys 
that we watch where they don't listen to their coach literally at all. We don't yeah. need to call out names or we yeah. can later, but uh, the Tories built different, man. He looked great. Jack Romanton, so tough. But we all knew once he couldn't get that, once he couldn't get that fight to the ground, end up on top, and it was a boxing match, he wasn't going to win that fight. Kenny, when a lot of handicappers are looking at a fight, one of the conditions is hunger, championship hunger, drive, what motivates a fighter. And sometimes that can be hard to quantify. But I think in these two particular athletes, they might care about their girlfriends and certain things and their families, right? But these guys, all they care about is being UFC champion. And it is so clear. And I do think there are huge discrepancies in the UFC. You know, Jimmy Smith used to say the happy to be here's, you know, guys who are just trying to sign that UFC contract to be a UFC fighter, give me my fight kit and all my gear. And there aren't that many of those, but I don't know, Ken Flo. I guess my biggest takeaway is that uh, the cupboard is not at all bare underneath Israel Adesanya. There are a lot of good fighters and a lot of guys who have championship medal and, and a burning desire to be the best in the world. Absolutely. I mean, that's the way it should be, right? I mean, it, it, for me, I was not going to be in the UFC if I didn't want to be a champion. It, it, there's, there's no point. Uh, it, it's just too dangerous of a mindset. And right. you could see both Jack Hermanson and Marvin uh, Vittori wanted to be there. Um, those guys uh, clearly wanted it. They were trying to take each other's heads off. We got uh, an absolute classic fight because of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think you could see that Vittori's not here to screw around. Uh, he means it. He's the real deal. Uh, you know, and he's not just a hammer, you know, and, and that's kind of the test. I think you, you look for also is that, uh, it's fine. When, when you're the hammer, you're, you're out there kicking ass. It's easy. It's easy to be a fighter. But uh, when you look at someone and how they respond to adversity and what happens when they start to take shots, um, I thought he proved uh, that he's here to stay and that uh, he's not going to go away easy. All right, let's get into some picks. UFC 256 beckons this weekend. Figueredo versus Moreno. Isn't that crazy? 21 days between title defenses for Figueredo. If you saw the graphic last night, this blows Ronda Rousey and Matthews out of the water with 56 days between defenses. Uh, but you guys tied 4-4, so the lead remains 14. Essentially, it's out of reach now with a couple shows to go. But let's get into it here. Uh, Ian, we'll have you lead on the heavyweights. This is going to be the main card opener live on pay-per-view. Cyril Ghana, minus 420. Junior Dos Santos, plus 335. And JDS is plus 335 in large part because he has lost three straight fights. Ian Ghana, 3-0 when he signed with the UFC. A lot of unknowns then. Fewer now. 3-0 in the UFC, 6-0 overall. And a big favorite here against JDS. Your thoughts? On a betting standpoint, <clears throat> minus 420 is a little steep on a guy who hasn't fought this level of competition. Uh, on junior side, we're just seeing the same out of him. He did look good against Rosenstrike early on, you know, right, but right. I, I just think that uh Ghana's another guy who's built different and we're gonna and this is an opportunity for a guy to get a big name on his resume early on. So I'm gonna lean that way on a betting standpoint, though. I I understand why people may want to touch uh JDS here, but I, I'm not going to for the show purpose. I'm gonna go Ghana. Ken Flo, your thoughts on the uh the heavyweight curtain jerker there on pay-per-view, kid. <laughs> You know, yeah. um, I'm a little, uh, I am surprised by that number as well. Um, you know, but I do think we have, uh, a fighter in junior Dos Santos who, who perhaps has lost that, um, that mindset that you were talking about. Uh, maybe he is just happy to go out there and collect a paycheck and, you know, he had his time and he's just trying to stay busy and make some money. Um, and that's not the mindset you want to go in there uh, against someone like Ghana. I, I think that this is a guy who is extremely dangerous. Uh, his height, his ability to keep the proper range. 
is going to make him a problem for someone like Junior Dos Santos. I think Dos Santos has a shot. Of course, we're talking about a guy who has a lot of speed, still has his speed, still has knockout power. Um, and I think he, he'll probably have the faster hands, but um, it, it's hard for me to pick uh, against Ghana right now. All right, both guys like Cyril Ghana at heavyweight. Next up, Ian, we will start with you on this one, but don't worry, we'll have Ken Flo lead the main event. Just chill. Uh, Kevin Holland, minus 165. Jacare Souza, plus 145. Here's hoping this fight stays together. So crazy in this COVID climate, right, that I'm looking at a UFC 256 card that says Marvin Vittori versus Jacare Souza, by the way, that Kevin Holland couldn't fight in the main event last week, but he'll be able to fight knock on wood this weekend. Plus 145 for Jacare because Kevin Holland has won four in a row and has a lot of momentum and is the younger, seemingly more prime fighter. Ian, what do you think about this one at 85? I would say COVID-19 is a hell of a fucking matchmaker. Um, I'm telling you. It's pretty wild. I don't know if we've ever had an easier mix and match, and it makes sense overall. Again, another guy in Kevin Holland who was just built different, who was getting an opportunity he wouldn't get under normal circumstances to fight this far up the ladder really quick. I think Kenny's going to pick Jacare out of loyalty to uh, the jiu-jitsu world and all that other good stuff, but I am loyal to nobody on this show. I'm here to fucking win. I like Kevin Holland here. I think the speed, the athleticism, I think he's going to be the faster striker. And he's hard to take down. Since that Brendan Allen fight, he's shown way better takedown defense. And again, that mindset of his, just that level of confidence, like he just can't be beat. Not right. on such a cockiness level, but just so so sure of himself and what he can do, I think gets him past Jacare. And I think we see a Vittori Kevin Holland fight really soon, which I would really like to see. Ken Flo, by the way, I'm changing your pick to JDS just to give you a chance to uh, to win the main event <laughs> I probably should have. Uh, who do you have, Kevin uh, Holland or uh, Jacare Souza? You know, um, listen, it, it's clear that Kevin Holland has way more momentum right now. I, I also think that um, he's a guy who's going to be way more technical as a striker, uh, really coming into his own there. Um, I, I do think Jacare Souza can pose some problems both on the feet just based on his power. Uh, based on his experience, his high-level uh, experience, I should say, uh, and the fact that this is a guy who, if he takes you down, he could submit anybody in that division. So um, I will go with uh, Jacare. Uh, you are correct there, Ian. Um, uh, listen, I, I think Kevin Holland is a favorite for a reason, no doubt about it, uh, but I kind of like that underdog pick and Jacare Souza. It, it's tough, him coming in here like this. Uh, I don't know how much time he had to prepare and uh, what kind of shape he's in, but let's go with Souza. I can't wait to see Jacare climb those steps like a fucking alligator right in front of me in six days. <laughs> All right, next up on the main card in the lightweight division where Hanato Moicano now resides. He's a plus 120 underdog here against Kyrgyzstan's Rafael Fazib, who is minus 140. National champion in combat Sambo, lesser known quantity here, Ian, but obviously he has Vegas's respect. He's the favorite. What do you think about this one at 55? This one's a very, very interesting matchup. Um, I have a hard time picking either way. I just think between with their last two fights, Boycano ended it quickly in a very weird conversation. Why'd you beat me so fast? Because uh, right. I wanted to, right? And then Fazeev, I just think he was so impressive. He showed so much improvement in his game. And if this fight stays standing, this guy, I'm pretty sure it came from the Matrix. So I'm going right. to go Fazeev. I, I, listen, if Boycano can get this fight to the floor, He's got the jujitsu advantage, no doubt. But I just don't see that happening. A lot of these guys, when they get comfortable striking, they get that George Gurgel syndrome. They wanted to show that they can strike. They're not just jujitsu guys. I swear, I'm going to use that phrase forever because it's so damn true. And he lost me a lot of money against um, what's-his-face. But anyway, I'm going to go to Zeev. 
Rafael Fazeev, born in Kazakhstan, fighting out of Kyrgyzstan. Ken Flo coming off a of fight of the night, went over Mark Chikasi. That was on Fight Island. Looked outstanding, certainly has power, hand-to-hand combat credentials in addition to the combat sambo. And a huge opportunity for him at 27 to fight somebody in Moicano who's making his 10th UFC start here. Any thoughts on this one uh, in your division, kid? You know, Fazeev is a, a fantastic striker, uh, very dynamic, very fast, very powerful. He moves very well. Um, and I, I don't like that for Moicano. I, I do think that Moicano has some good experience. So he, he could maybe get it done. I, you know, Moicano is, is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, but there's two things that concern me. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's that dangerous on the ground. You know, I, I think that if he does uh, get him there, yeah, sure. He should definitely be the better guy on the ground. Uh, is he the best Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt in the world? Probably not. Uh, does he have high level wrestling skills where I'm like, he's definitely going to take down Fazeev? Probably not. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I have to agree with Ian here. All right. I was most excited today to get your co-main event selections to see if one of you would back Charles Oliveira at plus 145. Mm. If you have bet on him in his last seven fights, you have been able to walk to the window and cash all of those seven tickets. He is the underdog here against El Kukui, Tony Ferguson, minus 165. Co-main event here, Ian. We will need the round and the method of victory. There are some variables with Tony Ferguson, namely how does he respond to the Gaethje fight that was absolutely brutal, but he is still Tony Ferguson. Oliver is the most decorated submission artist in UFC history. I mean, this is a main event. This is a huge, huge fight at 55. I wish it was 25 minutes. It is 15. Ian, who wins? Well, the fact that you just even mentioned the difference in how many rounds this goes plays a huge difference in who I pick here, right? If it was, this was five rounds, I wouldn't even look at Charles Oliveira. I'd look right at Tony Ferguson and say, don't be an asshole, okay? And just fight how, you, fight how you've been fighting. Learn from Gaethje. We haven't seen him lose in God knows how long. So to your point, again, we don't know how he responds, especially to a guy in Oliveira who just all of a sudden he's knocking people out. Now, has Oliveira fought this level of competition in his entire career? No, he has not either. So these are the two I really balance. On an underdog standpoint, three rounds, I am going to take a shot at Charles Oliveira here. All right, I, I do think that in these scrambles, this is not a guy that Tony Ferguson's going to do a million tumble, tumble salts and cartwheels out, and this guy will still stay on his back. Kenny's smiling because I think Kenny wanted to go Oliveira here too, and I 100% know why. Striking-wise, Tony's unconventional, but he's not the most technical striker. And I think if Oliveira uses his range, uses that push kick, this is going to be a tough fight for Tony. He's finally fighting a guy who is going to oblige on the ground and be the better ground guy all over the place. So, again, any time for Oliveira to step up and take a, get a shot towards that title, he did it against Kevin Lee, and I said he had to do it then. He has to do it now. He knows that. Charles Oliveira, ah, I can't see anybody finishing Tony the way Justin did. I'll save decision, but I don't like that pick. But I will go Oliveira. So last fight for Charles Oliveira, Ken Flo, you sometimes forget because it was right when COVID-19 hit. It was that main event in Brasilia against Kevin Lee. I wouldn't knock the strength of schedule necessarily as much as Ian Parker would. Certainly it's not on a Tony Ferguson-like level, uh, but this man has been there. He has done that. Uh, he has certainly rounded into form, and he's still only 31. I certainly can understand why sharp minds like Ian would see value in Charles. I mean, what do you think about this matchup? Well, I also think there's something to be said for just gaining experience and gaining the right experience, right? I, I think, you know, getting all that momentum and having the ability to execute different fight strategies and fight different guys, 
um, you know, I, I think has made Charles Oliveira who he is right now. I think that's why uh, this guy is so good. Um, I think, you know, you talk about a submission game. I couldn't agree more with Ian. I think he's absolutely going to be the better submission guy. And I think that's rare for Tony. Tony typically goes in there knowing he's the more uh, dangerous submission guy. So he can kind of screw around and get a little bit crazy. I don't know if he can take that approach here against Charles Oliveira. One mistake and it could be over. So I'm really curious to see the, the kind of strategy uh, he, he takes out there. I don't see Charles Oliveira necessarily taking him down. But if Tony decides to take him down, Tony might be in trouble. So he's got to be careful there, especially in the transition. Um, I do think Tony overall will be the more durable guy based on what we've seen. Again, we don't know what happened. Uh, we've seen fighters, again, you see fighters get uh, old overnight. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that's the case with Tony Ferguson, but after having a war and, and taking the kind of damage that he did against someone like Gaethje, uh, it is concerning. However, uh, I'm going to go with Old Faithful, uh, Tony Ferguson. Uh, I think he, he'll be able to get it done. Um, I could see him getting a stoppage a little bit later in the fight. It usually takes him a little bit a uh, little bit to, to get warmed up. Uh, but uh, let's go with Tony Ferguson. Let's go with Ferguson, third-round TKO. Third-round TKO for El Kukui, Tony Ferguson, who deserves your respect for taking this fight. I mean, he wanted to fight, but uh, Charles Oliveira, in a lot of respects, is an avoided man at 155 pounds. All right, Kemflo, we'll lead with you on the main event. Both of these guys fought November 21st at UFC 255. Davison Figueredo, minus 290 in a similar range as he was against Alex Perez. Brandon Moreno, plus 245. We'll need the round and the method of victory. My reports from Las Vegas are that Davison Figueredo has been omnipresent at the UFC PI. His weight is low. I think this is a huge benefit in terms of the weight management for Davison. Um, and, and I do believe that that is a factor. Again, we were told it was going to be a real tough cut for 255, and he was one of the first guys there. So sometimes I got to sift through the misinformation even on the ground. But I think it stands to reason that for Figueredo, given his frame and how hard this cut has been, um, I think that could potentially be a big factor. With that backdrop flow, who wins the flyweight title and how do they get it done? Well, listen, I think that uh, he will have a tough cut every single time, no matter what. Uh, but I do agree with you that... Um, you know, having come off of a, a recent win, a uh, recent fight and staying in Vegas, uh, I think he's going to be feeling way better about that. Um, and uh, I think that uh, he's a guy that uh, has a lot of different weapons. He has the submission game. Uh, he clearly has the power. I mean, I don't think we'll see many guys that have that kind of power at 125 pounds. It's just extremely rare. Um, and Davison uh, definitely has that. I think that's the thing that really stands out for me is that um, he can change the fight in an instant. Uh, Moreno can uh, keep a certain pace and win rounds properly and, and do the right things. And I think he's well-rounded and can cause some problems for Figueredo. Is he better than Figueredo on the ground? Is he better as a wrestler? Is he, does he have more power? Does he have more tools on the feet? I don't know. I, I mean, it's close. We're certainly going to find out. It's just hard for me to bet against someone like Davison Figueredo right now. I think Davison is, is most likely going to have his shot at, at hurting Moreno at some point during that fight. Um, I think we'll probably come in the third round, and I think it will probably be, be a, a knockout or TKO. Ian Parker, any value on the Moreno side? I think Kenny just said that absolutely perfectly. I think this fight may look a lot like when Figueroa fought Pantoja, another guy who's a technical striker, fast, 
high pace, strong jujitsu. And look what uh, the champ did. It's just that power. You know, these guys want to, when they get in those moments where they just throw down, and Moreno will throw down with him. You know, I think the one thing where Moreno, I think Moreno may be just a, uh, he throws a lot of volume. He's, a, you know, he will, and Figaro does not. So if Moreno could stay away from that power, I and mean, if he could end up on top during the scrambles, I think he's smart enough to not get guillotine. I do think there is value in Brandon Moreno, but to Kenny's point, how do you bet against um, the biggest villain, scariest guy in the in the UFC? You have like Ngannou at heavyweight, and this guy here at 125, and like you see this guy, and you're like, fuck, like how is he a 125? Or how have you seen like if you walk into a bar and you see this little guy with that hair? Right. You know, the minute he looks through your soul, you're like, fuck. And then all of a sudden he like knocks you out or subs you really quick. You're like, wow, big fuck. Like this is, this guy is the real deal. I think Moreno is going to surprise some people here if he doesn't get knocked out quick. Yeah. I will go, I will go the champ by decision. I don't think either guy is going to finish the other. I said that last time and then the champ won round one. But this is the type of fight that brings 125 and the flyweights back to life. 100%. This is going to be a fight. I think people are going to say, I could watch this fight happen every few months because after this i don't know who's next that people are going to get as excited for unless the champ goes up and wait all right we have about three more minutes with cam flow i'm going to do two quick picks and then i want to get a final thought uh from the former three-time ufc title challenger on the way out brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt versus brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt mackenzie dern minus 175 vina janji doba plus 155 ian parker which way are you going janji doba ken flow what do you what do you have here Wow, Mackenzie Dern. If you're watching the video, I'm gonna yeah. Listen, I'm gonna go with Dern. I, I listen. I, I think that Vima is a beast. Uh, I think she's very dangerous. I just think she does her best work on the ground. Um, you know, there's black belts, and then there's Mackenzie Dern level black belts. I think Mackenzie gets it done by submission. All right, and then a featherweight. <laughs> yeah. The reason why I chose that pick is Mackenzie Dern. Her last two fights, she did it off her back against people of way lesser credentials and BJJ. Random Marcos. And Hannah Cyphers, right? I think going against someone in Jandy, this is a different level. She's not going to be able to do those legs, <laughs> those arm bars over back. I, I don't even know what I just said when I called her. I um, mean, what do we do? You just chop at her last name in half? You dropped a yeah, fucking in Ganyu a moment ago, and Ken Flo and Cody are listen, dying in the background. Listen, Ken, Cody hasn't blinked in 16 minutes. I don't even want to hear that. And one, number two, that small cup. Co- Coffee cup of yours has been lasting way too long for the way you look. It is bothering me. It is a large. What? What is that? A medium coffee cup? You look like you've been up for six days. Get you a man coffee, Kenny. Help him, Cody. For new shows, we need a coffee sponsor. So when John's in this situation, he does. He, he, yeah, dude, you've been sipping on that thing for thirty minutes. That thing Bro. is smaller than, Bro. than than a kid's cup. I'm, I'm fucking hurting today. I mean, I'm I not going to mince are. words. We're taping this I'm at seven to get o'clock you a in the bigger coffee. Trying to get you a man coffee. No, I appreciate coffee. that. Yeah, I'm not so worried you. about the coffee. I'm just worried about not flubbing my every word. And it's funny. I posted a tweet like, "Oh, I'm going to bed." Tape an Anna Florian podcast in like five hours, and people are like, "Dude, go to bed." And it's like, "Fucko, I drink energy drinks and coffee Fuck all up. night so I can talk for eight hours." A little John, wired after the show, have a hard time turning it off. John I love you though. God takes years off his life to record this show in the darkness of Vegas. I love you. All right. So at featherweight, I'm fascinated by this betting line, by this fight. Daniel Pineda minus 135. Looked like a wrecking machine, Kemflo, when he came back to the UFC. Taking on Cub Swanson, who's plus 115 and coming off a torn ACL. Uh, Kemflo, who do you have here quickly? Jeez. uh, You know what? I'll I'll go with Pineda. He looked fantastic. Um, Yeah. Ian, who do you have, my man? 
Love you, Cub Swanson, but I'm taking Pineda as well. All right, and then, Ken Flo, we will get you out of here on this, and uh, Ian, I'll get your thoughts after we we let Ken Flo fly. Roman Delizze versus John Allen on the main card. We could certainly talk about Delizze's performance and his career trajectory at light heavyweight, but I think you have no choice but to talk about the wayward scorecard that gave John Allen this fight 29-28. It was Chris Lee. I will confront Chris Lee and have a confronts probably the wrong verb. I will have a conversation with this man about this specific scorecard when I see him again, because I need clarity on this. Uh, Kenful, you've talked ad nauseum about generally judges not having a respect for, for the grappling game. Uh, and in this situation, I mean, what, what am I missing? What, what, what am I missing? Three nil the leads a for me. Very, very clear. Uh, I'll tell you what I missed. I missed the decision. And my buddies ah. who were watching, a buddy who was watching the fight was like, "Yeah, he 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 lost." I said, "What?" I thought they were joking. I ser- I walked away. I thought it was as clear as day. Like, yeah. How the hell does that happen? How does that happen? It's insane. Uh, again, uh, I-, I don't know what what Chris Lee's looking at. I don't know how he's judging these fights, uh, but clearly something is off. And again, I think it has a lot to do with, with the ground game. You know, again, I, I think that there is just a complete ignorance and um, misunderstanding of what's going on uh, during that fight. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty clear, dude. I, I, what What's going on? I, how, how do you how do you score Bro, the other way? How do you trot him back? Out I know what's going two on. Two fights Come later. On. Chris Lee's. Chris Lee's betting the fucking split decision prop every fucking week. We know that. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> hey, I mean, you might. I don't know. It's crazy. That's dude. A pretty serious allegation. But no, it's uh, I just need clarity on this one. Right. Because certainly his scorecard of Felder over Dos Anjos was not a good scorecard. And he has been on the dissenting side of these split decisions time and time again. Right. I don't need to give you the math on it. But I just feel like in this particular instance, I need to understand uh, why John Allen was awarded to. Imagine if we had open scoring and they flashed that up there. If I'm the lead, say that would wipe the is, smile off his face. Is he scoring toughness? Is that what's going <laughs> right, on? Right. I know. Like, right. oh, man, he, he takes a good <laughs> leg kick. Uh, I'm going to give him a point for that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ken Flo, we appreciate you squeezing us in. Uh, when can people watch BattleBots on Discovery <laughs> next? Do you have that viewing information for us? I, I do. I do. That Well, the. The premiere happened on the third, right? Uh, so it will be on the tenth at eight p.m. Both on the East Coast and on the West Coast, eight p.m. Right. on Discovery. So thank you for giving me that plug. All right, support uh, your guy out there, Anakin Florian podcast yeah, viewers, yeah. right? If you like You're robot fights or not, the show's outstanding, and Ken Flo's got a hot mic, so support the guy. All right, get out of here. I'm going to chop it up with Parker for a few, but we appreciate you squeezing us in, and uh, full show out of you next Sunday, and uh, we know you'll bring it, obviously, after the pay-per-view. Thanks, my man. Thank you, boys. So, uh, Ian, would you ever be interested in going through the process of becoming an MMA judge. And let me, let me add to that a little bit, right? You have two kids under the age of 10, so it's not realistic for what judges make for you to go out and do that, you know, but I do think that it would be somebody like you, uh, who knows the game acutely and intimately who watches every show who does have a wrestling background. You know, I, I think we got to open up the floodgates a little bit and uh, and really start to figure out a way to create some elite judges. Would that be something that you would be interested in doing selectively in your life or no? 
Yeah, I'm going to make this my parting shot because I have to cut out also in a minute. Oh, that's yes. right. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So real quick, uh, it's funny. A lot of people were actually writing uh, to me over the last few weeks about the thing with Chrissy asking me, hey, you seem to know your stuff. Is this something you would do? And it's funny that you said that. And uh, I'm not just saying that because you brought it up. I would 100% take that on. I really would. I feel like there needs to be a change. I feel like I'm someone that really understands the fight game. I understand the, the ground game, the striking. You know, I understand, you know, the forward movement, all aspects of the game. A guy in Chris Lee, I don't think he's watching the fight. I think Kenny jokes about taking damage, but I think this guy really is messing with people's lives here. You know, imagine if it went Allen's way. Imagine if it went Felder's way. And seven of the other fights he did all the way back to other organizations. It's kind of a dangerous thing playing with someone's careers like that. With someone's career like that. Yeah. You know, it's not a team sport where you throw in a pass interference, you know, flag with one second of the one yard line. Your team will bounce back. That's never one person's fault. You know, right. uh, other players of other sports are measured by their season long stats. Fighters are not because you can't control how many times you fight throughout the year based on injury. And Chris Lee is really taking that away from fighters, boxers in general. So, John, if there is a way for me to step in and do it, I'm all ears. I would 100 percent take that. Well, on. no, it's the, the issue is it's no, not like I a know. step I'm in joking. thing. It's a major, no, major not. commitment. No, yeah. but I really, really yeah. would. I love this sport. I breathe it. I bleed it, sleep it, eat it, however you the saying goes. And I feel like I would be able to contribute some justice to the scoring system and to the way this thing goes because um, that fight with John Allen, he didn't win a he didn't win a single round. Well, right. And, that's and not Chris even, Lee, uh, that's, yeah, Chris Lee has been. Well, I'm not going to start taking personal shots, but he has I been will. an MMA judge for a long time. So yeah, it's not as though this is some boxing judge who is crossing over. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah, man, you yeah. know, I mean, we talked about it with Longo obviously earlier and, uh, it, it's a real issue, but if you want to affect change, um, we just need, we need more volume of elite judges and, uh, Sign me again, up. I'm in. five, five cards instead of three might help as well. All right. If you want Ian Parker's best bet for UFC 256, you will only find it on his social media channels at Ian Parker MMA. So, uh, that's coming up later in the week. And, uh, I got to go to bed, buddy. We will talk to you next week. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Have a good one. Drink some real size coffee. Cody, yeah. get that coffee. I'll try to uh, get that him. coffee sponsor. All right. You got that it, is Later. it for the main event challenge. Our final order of business will be the pick to click. Let's get to it. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right. Today's pick to click is brought to you by oddshark.com. Oddshark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Lord knows this square needs that. Head over to oddshark and start playing like a shark today. That is oddshark.com. Don't forget the second S. And, of course, as is standard on the Anakin Florian podcast during a big pay-per-view week, we are now joined by the man, the Odd Shark sports betting analyst, Joe Osborne. Twitter, it's JTFOZ. My twin brother just refers to you as JTFOZ. Like, that's what he calls you. He's been riding all your NFL teasers, so he feels like he owes you some sort of uh, of fee. But we can get to that later. On Instagram, it's Paper Chaser Joe. So this whole, I mean, you know, I love your energy on Instagram with these videos, yes. like turn to the camera. I mean, did that like originate organically? Cause I just fucking love it, bro. I have to say that off the top. 
Well, yeah, it's just like I always say, you know, some people forget that uh, the sports stuff, it's uh, there's an entertainment side to yeah. it. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, I, I grew up the big professional wrestling fan and you see those crazy promos where, you know, the guys are just losing their minds. So yeah. I try to bring a little bit of fun to it because, love it. you know, <laughs> I've always had the philosophy of, you know, there's a thousand other guys out there covering the same stuff I do. A lot of these guys have a much bigger platform than I do. So, you know, you got to stand out a little bit without being too obnoxious. I'm sure it's not everyone's cup of tea, oh, it's but uh, yeah, yeah, just like to have fun with it. Right. And I have obviously a living, breathing human being that I share DNA with, and uh, he's a fan as well. And uh, great stuff on the teasers. We'll get to some NFL stuff on the back end, but uh, I know you're invested in mixed martial arts and especially uh, these UFC, the larger events where it gives you a lot mm -hmm. of time to immerse yourself in the card. So Davison Figueredo fought 21 days ago, making UFC history with this quick turnaround, about a three to one yeah. favorite, similarly yeah. priced as he was against Alex Perez here against Brandon Moreno, who also makes the quick turn. I haven't found a lot of people thus far who are backing the Moreno side. How do you handicap this main event? Um, it's it's Figueredo, but it's just figuring out uh, how you want to bet him and how you yeah. can get some actual value, because, you know, uh, like a lot of people, I have no interest in making a minus 300 bet. So. Uh, Figueroa, I truly believe, you know, he is the next great Brazilian mixed martial artist. I think he has the ability to follow in the footsteps of Jose Aldo and Anderson Silva. Like we've never seen uh, punching power like this at the in the 125 pound weight class. And when he gets in those grappling exchanges, he's just so damn strong, isn't he? So. Um, like I said, extremely well-rounded, and this guy's marketable because he is a finisher. 21 wins, 17 of those were inside the distance, so that's how I'm going to look to bet this inside the distance, hopefully get it down closer to even money. Now, his last fight versus Perez, he was plus 500 to win by submission. That's right. And I thought that was the gift of the year. Yeah. I jumped yeah. all over, and that was right. the easiest Plus 500 bet I ever won in my life. You know, two minutes in, just like boom, yeah. clockwork. It happened. So I will be looking for the inside the distance. I will be looking for, you know, if he's being offered at plus 300, plus 350 to win by submission, I'm going right. to jump on that too. Of course. You know, he's won, but he's won by sub three of his last four. Uh, both men definitely welcome those grappling exchanges. And like I right. said, just his strength. When he gets tied up with another guy, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, I I'm a big supporter of his, and uh, I don't think there's any way this fight goes 25 minutes. If you can find those propositions, I think there's a lot of good insight there from Joe Osborne. So, co-main event, I don't know if you have anything for us on this, but Tony Ferguson, about minus 165, the comeback on Charles Oliveira, plus 145. On this program, Oliveira's success is well-documented. Seven straight wins, longest active winning streak in the lightweight division because Khabib Nurmagomedov has retired. Yes. Hard to sort of handicap Ferguson, I would think, without thinking a lot about that Gaethje result and the mm -hmm. violent nature of that fight. What what do you make of the co-headliner this weekend? Uh, I like the underdog here, Oliveira, plus 145. I don't know how he's going to win. Uh, you know, he yeah. does have those seven straight wins, seven straight finishes. Uh, finishing Tony Ferguson's a different story, though, than the guys he's fought. But, you know... You take a look at Ferguson, and there were some red flags going into that Gaethje fight that I completely ignored, and a lot of other people probably ignored them too. First of all, a little bit of inact a lot of inactivity based on the frequency of fighting that he has had 
in his UFC run leading up to that. I think he's only fought three times now since 2018. Uh, Oliveira, seven fights during that span. And I thought he didn't look so great. Uh, Ferguson, a few of the exchanges he had in the fights leading up to that one with uh, Pettis and Cerrone, you know, those guys got off some pretty good shots. Of course, Ferguson uh, won those fights inside right. the distance, but I think it's fair to say that both Pettis and, Pettis and Cerrone well past their prime at the time that uh, Ferguson fought them. Yeah. Now we take a look at Oliveira. And this guy, he is at the perfect intersection of experience and ability, right? We talked about those seven straight wins uh, all by finish. 31 years old, 26 fights in the UFC, Insane. right? Like this guy has been around forever. And, you know, he made a lot of mistakes early on. Right. Been on the wrong end of some ugly finishes. But I think he's proven during the seven-fight win streak that he's learned from the, some of those mistakes. He's not putting himself in uh, in a whole lot of danger. So I do like him. Um, I might look for this one to go to decision as well, with it only being a three-round fight. Right. But uh, I like the underdog. And uh, Tony Ferguson, you know, like I said, he's only fought uh, three times since 2018. I think there was some uh, contract disputes maybe that kept him on the shelf a little bit longer than he and a lot of the fans would have liked. And obviously a lot of bad luck, right? Like uh, how many times were him and Habib <laughs> matched up, Bro. right? And Bro. uh I and get depressed when we go down that storyline, you know, that that fight yeah. seems is not gonna happen. So. so the timing for this guy, you know, he's just had an awful uh awful run of timing. And I think it's uh Oliveira's time. Um, you know, like I said, the perfect intersection of uh, ability and experience. So I'll go with the underdog there. I love the value, plus 145. Well, and man, you got to love the way that you put that, Joe. I mean, I've been sitting here listening to MMA talk about this event for the last two hours, and I still pick up something new from you on that. So much appreciated. We love having you on the program, but I need your help because we're doing an against the spread challenge here (laughs) against John, and I've just been getting hosed. I've been getting bad beats all over the place. I'm losing bets by half a point here and there every time. Yeah. I just would love a professional's opinion. You know, what's one thing that I really should be keying in on that, you know, maybe I'm overlooking or that's leading to my poor record here? Um, One thing that I'm doing right now, uh, focusing a lot more on the end result of a game. Like you can look at a lot of stats and all the stats can point to one side, but hey, they're not really covering the spread that much. They're not winning games by that much. So a lot of this comes down to how a team closes out. You know, how do their fourth quarters look as opposed to, their first quarter. So you can look at stuff as simple as, you know, point margin, you know, are they winning these games big? You take a look at a team like uh, the New York Giants and people caught on to this. They were an excellent underdog bet or they have been an excellent underdog bet all season because they're generally not getting their ass kicked very much. Right. I think they have six losses all inside of 10 points now. And they've been a pretty big underdog in a lot of these games as they are versus the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Now, I'm not betting on Colt McCoy versus Russell Wilson, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost this game by seven, eight, nine sure. points and covered that, that 10 and a half spread. So, yeah, it, it's, it sounds simple, but uh, it's something I've been trying to focus on a lot more, and uh, it's working out all right for me. Hey, well, you know what they say, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Sometimes you get to make the obvious decision and not overthink it. But is there anything you got for us Absolutely. today? Can I, can I beg you for an NFL play for Sunday? Yeah, um, well, I'll give you guys one for for Monday. So, oh, even uh, my hot spot. I, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I've been hot and cold on sides and totals all season. But one incredible hot spot for me has been these six-point teasers, 14-2 and two on six-point teasers this season. It's You know, I've had some runs, like I'm doing pretty good in like UFC main events this year, for example. But specific like that type, six-point teasers, uh, just following a couple simple rules, you know, crossing key numbers, uh, things of that nature. And uh, I've been liking these same game teasers lately, right, on uh, these primetime games. And I think we got a pretty good spot for one here with uh, the Steelers versus the football team. And so you can tease the football team up to plus 13 and the under up to 49 and a half. So I think it's going to be a low scoring game. And I think Pittsburgh wins, but I don't think they're going to win by that much. So. To support the under on this one, like I said, two great defenses, third and fourth in yards per play allowed. Both are excellent at getting to the quarterback, racking up a ton of sacks in both top 10 and third down defense and red zone defense, meaning you're probably going to see more field goal attempts as opposed to touchdowns. And then the case for the football team, right? I say that kind of sarcastically just because yeah. of how, uh, how stupid that is. There's a right, football right. team called the football team. But uh you know, Alex Smith, he's bringing some real stability to this offense. Uh, they won the yards per play battle in three of his four starts. They haven't lost by more than three points in any of his starts so far this season. And you take a look at Pittsburgh, and uh, you're starting to hear whispers of it this week, right? They're undefeated, but uh, people are starting to point out their flaws. They can't run the football. Uh, they're way too dependent on the pass. And if you look at how the football team matches up with them offensively, they're neck and neck with them in a lot of key offensive categories. And I think that would surprise a lot of people. They're playing very disciplined football. They're not making a lot of back-breaking, uh, idiotic penalties that you see a lot of teams do. And uh, injuries are also really starting to add up for the Steelers yep. here. Bud Dupree, he's out now. So that linebacker core's been hit hard by injuries, but uh, they already lost Devin Bush. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the football team, you know, hands the Steelers their first L. But uh, I, I would, yeah, absolutely. A little bit of sprinkle on that money yes. line. But I, I'm much more comfortable. Get them all the way up to plus 13, the under all the way up to 49 and a half. And hopefully we have a low scoring game where uh, the football team either wins or uh, uh, doesn't lose by very much. I love it. And I will also say intangibly as somebody who watched the Patriots go 16 and 0, I know they didn't finish the job in the Super Bowl, but it is just so hard down the stretch. And I do think that the Steelers uh, soft schedule or otherwise uh, eventually are going to meet their match. All right. On Twitter, you can find him at JTFOZ. You got to check out Paper Chaser Joe on Instagram and just see the energy bursting through the fucking screen. Joey, love you, buddy. Have a uh, have a great football Sunday. And we'll talk to you. Uh, I guess we will talk to you next year in advance of uh Connor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, if not sooner. Yeah, I can't wait. We'll have to have you on uh, the Odd Shark program there, John, to uh, break down that big one uh, with us. I'm sure it's going to be a massive card. But as always, guys, thank you so much for having me on. Good luck and uh, good luck to all your listeners as well. Thank you so much, my man. There he is, Joe Osborne, with us for the pick to click today. You can also check out the Capper Cup at oddshark.com as I try somehow to represent the UFC with a bunch of handicappers that, uh, are just much better at this than I am. Although, despite three straight losses, I'm still above 500 here picking against my guy, Cody Merrow. I'm seven and six. You're three, nine and one, I guess. Um, so which pick of yours are the listeners most likely to fade today? 
Well, that's exactly right, John. I mean, I'm becoming the auto fade. I'm trying to give away money here. <laughs> I think the Bills are going to come into neutral site against the 49ers and come away with the win or pick them at most books. So I'm going to ride with the Bills here. I do too. I am in the circus sports contest. I'm not doing all that well. We're above 500, but I love Buffalo. They are in my five this week. But my my pick to click for you today, and I'll make it quick. So I kind of like the Patriots against the Chargers because with respect to uh, to the L.A. Chargers, I do think this is the best coach in the NFL, Bill, Bill Belichick, versus the worst coach in the NFL, Anthony Lynn. And uh, we know we got our guy, wide receivers coach for the Chargers, uh, Phil McGagan, Anakin Florian podcast listener, absolutely love the guy. And I think it's a good staff overall, but I just don't have any confidence in Anthony Lynn, game management, situational stuff, absolutely terrible. Um, but you know, I don't bet on the Patriots out of principle. So uh, Tennessee Titans minus four home to Cleveland. I just think the Browns are not as good as the record indicates. Sorry, Stipe. And I think you're getting a good number here. Titans were minus five and a half most of the week. It's down to four. So the Tennessee Titans pick to click for me for week 13 of the National Football League. All right. Thanks to our producer the maestro, Cody Merrow, our guests, Ian Parker, Ray Longo, Joe Osborne, Ken Flo, actually, with a guest appearance today. We'll be right back with you next Sunday night in advance of another UFC offering on December 19th. And uh, a lot of stuff coming up at the end of the year. The Anakin Florian Podcast Awards, the AFPAs, our annual awards show, is coming up. So uh, that'll either be final show of 2020 or more likely first show of 2021. But we'll get the nominees out there, get you guys involved as well. And uh, you can certainly start that process firing us uh, suggestions for maybe some of the fights or fighters we will have forgotten when it comes to the APA nominations. With that, thank you all for listening, for watching. Kindly subscribe on YouTube. We appreciate that. Don't forget, remember, the show is live on Thursday nights on this very channel with Bilal Muhammad and my twin bro, Jason Anik. No audio version of that on iTunes, so you do have to ingest the video, but uh, it is live, and I promise it is worth your time. We will talk to you next Sunday. Until then, have a great week. Enjoy the rest of it. Yo, fucking way.